Welcome. My name is Kimir Baker. I am the founder of jintel.org, a nonprofit. That is J-I-N-T-E-L.org and moderator of a Healing Peace podcast. I am an overcomer, writer, speaker, and God enthusiast. This podcast series bridges the gap between faith-based and therapeutic tools to empower us in our emotional health and wellness process. These tools educate, connect, and transform into the abundant life that God provides. Hello, family. Today, I have a friend with me. Her name is Deanne, uh, and she's a life coach. We will discuss how we can walk in our worth or be rooted in our self-worth. So Deanne, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Kamir. I'm so happy and honored to be here with you and, and with these ladies listening. All right, that's great. And I know you well. Um, ladies, she's a very good friend of mine, so I'm excited to have her insight and wisdom with us today. But Deanne, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? You want my whole life story or you want just a two-minute blurb? Well, I feel want a two-minute blurb. Okay, yeah. Myself, right now, I have been married for 31 years to a fantastic, supportive husband who's full of energy. And as we've gotten older, I finally can keep up with him just a little bit because his energy is slowing down. <laughs> I have a 30-year-old son. And he has a five-year-old daughter, so I have a five-year-old granddaughter and a 28-year-old son with a wife and a, well, one-and-a-half-year-old little boy and another one on the way. And I have a 19-year-old precious daughter at Hardin-Simmons University. So that is my that is my main thing, uh, my family, which I love. But at, at I homeschooled all these kids, and as they – my homeschool career started coming to an end. That's when I started thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? Hmm. And, uh, and yeah. you landed on being a life coach? Yeah, I landed on life coaching. Um, I felt like the Lord just kept opening and shutting doors, almost kind of like I was going through a maze. And, and it ended up in life coaching. I, I have a degree in psychology, and so I considered that I want to go back and get a you know, a master's and go into counseling. But when I discovered life coaching, it, it just fit so much with who I am because it's not just talking, but it's, for me, it's about transformation. It's about moving forward. It's about where you're stuck, moving, being able to move out of being stuck, but finding your own resources inside you, not because someone's telling you what to do and then you just do what they have to say. It's so, so for me, it's about inner transformation and, and I get to see people's you know, lives pretty radically change. Well, as you say that, the one thing that came to my mind is about being stuck and mm -hmm. I get stuck a lot. And so as you were saying, that, I was like, Oh, no wonder we're such good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the stuck language. Yes. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm so trapped in the same circle over and over and over and over. So I'm excited that we get to kind of talk about that a little bit today. And for our listeners, you know, with you being a life coach for a while, um, what is a rewarding experience that you've had 
as a life coach? Oh, you know, I, I, I get, for me, I get to have rewarding experiences all the time because what, what, when I'm working with someone and I can feel and I can see them going from stuck to the whole world opening in front of them, all of a sudden options are available and the heaviness and the resistance and the, the feelings is like there's chains around your ankles just holding you down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see those open and unlock and people walk out of that. And that's, a, those are powerful, powerful, ha, ah, my like addictive moments. Yeah, I, I definitely get that as well. Cause when you see transformation, it's kind of like amazing, especially from a human perspective that we can actually go through that journey and at the end uh, be liberated and, and something new and exciting. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with you not too long ago after our Toastmasters meeting. You you were stuck. I don't remember the exam, what, what the situation was, but you were stuck, and I was just curious about it, and I just asked you a few questions, and right, maybe the second or third question, just this, well, revelation of the Holy Spirit lit you up, and your face went, oh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what it is. And and it was a, you know, 180 degree switch. Yeah. Just in an instant. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that time. But we've had many of those times. Yeah, it's fun. It's so fun. <laughs> you, yeah, you're very great at being poignant with your questions to bring in insight. So I, I guess with that being the case, let me start asking you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to ask them back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That'll be quite disciplined, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but that's what I was talking about before, ladies, in the introduction. We were talking about walking worthily as a criteria, right? And we think about it, and as I said before, it's kind of difficult, and it goes against our society. But before we go into a little bit practical methods, of walking worthily, I want us to take a moment to discuss our creation and doing good work because that was part of that walking worthy as well. It's like we're presenting our creation to others. So I wanted to ask Deanne, which she's excited because she's great with questions and answers and all that good stuff. And I wanted to know from you, Deanne, like what are some pitfalls that we experience when we're unaware of our creation or our identity? The performance perfection trap. That's a common thing. Yeah, that's for sure one. That's one that a lot of people, I run into it, I'm probably everybody at, at some point, but the feeling that you have to be perfect or the feeling that you have to be someone other than who you are to meet up to others' expectations, to meet up to it, depending on how you see God, God's demands on you or God's requirements or God's expectations of you. So huh, not being not a, being unaware of our true identity, how God sees us. That's that's one of the first ones that comes to my mind is the performance and perfection pitfall. And you said it a little bit, but I, I kind of want to flush that out some more in terms of you know, it does have a residence in everything that we do. Can you give us an example of what that will look like in our everyday life? Well, 
performance or perfection, either one's kind of kind of show up. Well, first it's going to show up in your thoughts that you may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. And then these thoughts are going to create feelings. And then that's where you're going to start acting from. So when I'm dealing with some perfection issues, and I know this because I've done the work behind it, but my thoughts tend to be, no one's going to like this. This mm-hmm. isn't going to be good enough. I'm just wasting my time. This is going to be hard. If thoughts along those lines. And so my my desire, my motivation to do it is you know, pressed down. And then I procrastinate. So some people hit performance or perfection by actually being quite successful. Some people feel the maybe the the emptiness or the pressure and they respond by stepping up and, you know, like swinging the bat and hitting home runs. And that's that's got its own set of danger. If you're performing, if you're aiming for perfection and you can come close to it, then you your tendency is going to be to rely on yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you rely on yourself, you know inwardly that you can't always pull it off. Mm-hmm. So there's the nagging like a like a dog biting at your ankles. If I slow down just a little bit, I'm gonna get bitten. You know, so that's kind of the two sides of some ways that performance and perfection shows up is in actually being able to perform and pull things off, which which brings the trap of if you slow down, you're, you're, it feels like your whole very life is at stake. You know, like if you don't, if you can't hit that home run time after time after time, then who you are isn't good enough. Or the other side, which is where I tend to go in the procrastination side is I know I can't do it good enough. And so I'm not even going to try. But the result is the same, that it's depending on myself. It's the feeling of having to meet up to expectations that can't possibly be met every time. And so as you say this, one of the things that I'm thinking about is that that first is kind of like an inward turmoil, so to speak. And but how does that inner and, and, and what we're trying to accomplish, how does that affect our relationships and our interactions with other people? Ah, oh, what a great question. It it impacts all of them because in when we're in this inner turmoil, when we've learned these patterns of survival or patterns of moving through the world the way we present ourselves to the world, I think that was uh, your language, then we have to maintain that. Mm. And a lot of times the way that we've decided to show up in the world is not a conscious decision, but it starts way back when we're, when we're little, you know, even sometimes before language in our, in our families and we're growing up. And if you take, for example, a mom who had no education and is 
feels that education is so very important for their child and is just from the time that that child's little is is pushing or driving or pulling this child to education excellence. And that that may line up with the temperament of the child, but what if the t- child is a creative type and that book learning and memorization isn't really where they excel? They really excel in expression through artistic forms. Well, well, now they have to, they want their mom to be happy. And so to line up and make her happy, they try to fit into that shape until it's practiced for so long that then they show up in the world and it's not really who they are, an academic or a memorization person or whatever path that that takes in their life. And really who they are doesn't find much expression. Mm. So I call it, it's a false identity. And we don't know that it's false until we have the sweet benefit of the reflection of how God sees us and in close community and connection with others to feed back who they see, who, where we can practice new expressions and get that feedback, you know, in a safe, connected community. And as you say that, like, because I was thinking, okay, we've identified that this occurs and it has long lasting effect. Mm-hmm. And as you were speaking, you began to kind of unravel like how we began to gain the awareness and true identity. And so you, you're probably going to repeat yourself, but I, I really want to hone in and let our audience like really catch things that we can begin to do to gain this awareness, to not be in that false identity, to have that true identity. So can you kind of walk us through like some of the things that we can do practically to start that awareness? You are so perceptive, Kamir. Oh, excellent question. And, and I can, I can give you some of the steps and of the ways that I found and the, the trick with this is it's not a formula as in if you do A, B, and C, then you're going to get D. Huh. Thank um, you for clarifying that because I'm an A, B, C, D person. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm expecting my results. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you definitely will get results, but unless you're in tune for something outside of a formula, then it can be it feels a little bit like, can feel a little bit like free falling. Mm. So the first thing that I think is crucial is seeing and hearing and receiving how God sees you and how God feels about you to, to walk worthily has to be built on the word worthy, right? Hmm. And if you're walking worthily and trying to meet performance or expectations, then you're not able to walk in, in your true identity. So when you, one thing that I've seen in Americans and particularly American women is that we don't have an experience that we are worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Just as we are, just as we sit, who we are that we are worthy, 
you are worthy. And that you are worthy because the creator of the whole entire universe saw that he wanted to put a bit of his personal characteristics and attributes in one special creation, and then he made you to hold that. So you are worthy because of what he put in you, because of who he is, because of his expression in you of him. That our worthiness rests on the goodness and the amazing awesomeness of God Hmm. and Jesus and what he did for us. Right? The way that his blood cleanses us. So anything that was outside of that blood is gone. And shockingly, when God looks at you now, he doesn't look at you and, and think, oh, man, Camille's pretty good, but she's got these areas over here, you know. Or Susie, man, she's come a long way. As soon as she comes a little further, she's just going to hit that worthy spot. Mm-hmm. He looks at us, and, and he is absolutely 100% delighted with you. Exactly where you are, exactly who you are, his creation. Mm-hmm. His his heart just leaps with joy over you, and that's where the worthy starts. I forgot the question because that was so exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and, and actually, as you were sharing that, like, there's a couple of things that came to my mind. A, um, I've shared numerous similar things throughout the podcast series, so it's exciting to see that in this conversation that these are attributes or or this understanding is continual. Mm -hmm. You continually Mm -hmm. have to work through understanding who you are in Christ and that you're worthy with him. And I know even in my own journey that I'm always being brought back to this place because I am a perfectionist and because there's things that I want to achieve. And so I just run off and then when things don't work out, like I get so discouraged, but it's because I'm having my worthiness in those things. And so I'm excited for what you shared. And I was like, oh, she's preaching today. Um, <laughs> because it brings us back to that simple place again of being in him and that he's given us all that we need to be the best that we are supposed to be. So I think I think that's a, a great um, understanding for how we gain our awareness. Like our awareness comes from knowing who we are in Him, and that He has great things in store, and that we're precious to Him. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. So I was like, "Ooh, that's so exciting!" And, and if I can, if I can substitute some of your words, you said um, we have to work through. That was your phrase, and I I, can, I didn't catch the end of this. I mean, I couldn't write it down, so I don't remember. But do you remember saying you have to work through? Um, work through the the um, the tension of not seeing ourselves worthy. Yes, yes. And so what I say is, instead of having to work through, which is a struggle, which is striving, which is then puts it back on us anyway. Yeah, good point. We receive is to practice receiving, hmm. practice, practice believing. 
And then you did remind me of what the question was. Okay. So one of the things that I think that's key in helping to increase awareness of your inner thoughts, your inner language, the uh, your inner meaning, that's what I, I call mm-hmm. it, that inner critical voice, is to rem- w- remove judgment, to remove the judgment of yourself. Oh, I'm late. Dang it. I shouldn't have been late. I- I'm bad, you know, or, right. oh, I snapped at my kid today. There's definitely loving and unloving behaviors. I'm not saying go all out on being unloving, but what I'm saying is, when we can remove the judgment and the criticism of ourselves, then we can have a conversation with God. We can have a conversation within, within ourselves and we can hear something different. What is really going on here? Why is this, why am I so easily pushed to, to yell? Or why am I so easily pushed to be late? What, what is happening inside of me that I don't know of? And God, who do you want to be for me in this? Mm-hmm. To show yourself and to show me more of myself because you know he loves to make us like him that's that's his primary purpose right. is to make us like him so that that thing of removing judgment and criticism of, your, of yourself i really believe opens a door to uh, be able to walk through where you couldn't have walked through before hmm. i definitely appreciate that feedback and and even more so the correction of terminology because I, I, I'm a, I'm very literal, and I, and I think words do mean a lot. Mm-hmm. And and in those words and how we use them, it, it definitely keep us trapped and move then moving forward. And so I like the receiving. Versus I am grateful that you joined piece. us today and shared your insights with us. If you want to learn more about Deanne and myself, Kimir Baker, please go to a healingpeace.com. You can learn more about us as well as our parent organization, jintel.org. While you're there, feel free to sign up for our newsletter. Looking forward to having you back as we continue to provide faith-based inspiration for emotional wellness and healing.